The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to Season 3 of The Agile World, where we discuss customer and employee experience, organizational and workforce transformation, and how business can adapt and continually improve in an agile age. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed in this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the relationship between leadership and the quality of the customer and employee experience. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Fazal Pandit, president of Panasonic System Solutions Company of North America. Fazal, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Greg. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this. Uh, this is uh, definitely a topic I, I like to discuss and, and really looking forward to, to hearing your perspective on it. Um, why, why don't we get started with uh, giving a little bit of your background as well as what you do at Panasonic. Sure. I'm president of uh, Panasonic System Solutions Company. We're um, a technology solutions division uh, that caters to multiple end markets. So essentially a device ecosystem provider in the enterprise and industrial space, a very broad uh, product portfolio from uh, ruggedized handheld devices to laptops uh, to digital content management tools such as commercial projectors and uh, professional cameras to industrial automation and uh, technology for the food services equipment. So really interesting, exciting stuff because we cater to so many end markets. And uh, one of the things we're doing, uh, which is really relevant to our topic today, is we're driving transformation uh, from being a hardware, a device-focused company to be more of a a solutions provider, bringing a true ecosystem which incorporates software and services and uh, bringing a different value proposition to the customer. Where, and from, uh, from that aspect, the customer experience, the customer journey becomes so relevant and so important. I'm really delighted to, uh, to talk about that further. Yeah, great. Yeah, look at, looking forward to it. So yeah, let's dive in. And um, I'd like to, to start by going to the, the leadership and leadership's role in providing a great customer experience. So how, how would you define this, this relationship between leadership and, and CX? Uh, I think it's, uh, it's really critical, especially in the context of a B2B uh, organization. It's, it has to be at the top of the list. Uh, unfortunately, uh, many leaders see it as, a, as one element of their business and one element of the customer engagement. I think a lot of companies tend to treat this as a customer service rather than customer experience. Customer experience to me is is sort of accumulation of all the touch points that you have with the customer. So it's not having the finest call center because that's just one element of the experience. Uh, there's value in it. There's a tremendous amount of value. You know, it gives you, uh, as a leader, it gives you a view into your short-term uh, operations, essentially checks and balances in some ways. 
how you're doing, are you in line with the expectation of the market, but most importantly, a long-term view, uh, an understanding of the trends, disruptions, understanding of the unmet needs of the customers. And uh, when you're able to bring those data points from multiple customers, you're able to identify patterns and things of that nature that can help you drive innovation, that can help you bring new value not just to a set of customers, but across that industry. I mean, it's this kind of uh, engagement is essentially the essentially the key enabler to your to your organic growth. So I think it's got to be at the top of the list. It's got to be one of the you know if, if you had to pick the top three priorities, it's certainly got to be uh, amongst those three three uh, uh, topics. One of the things that leaders get wrong, I completely agree with you, is thinking about CX as 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 one thing, you know, you mentioned customer service. I, you know, strongly believe that customer centricity, not only it, it obviously benefits the customer because you're a customer centric organization that it, it should benefit the customer. It also, I think it also benefits the employees as well, right? Cause they all, they all can find their, their line of sight to the, to the customer, which gives them a little more, uh, a little more meaning in their, in their jobs. What can leaders do to, create this a, a more customer centric organization i think it really starts at the at the foundation it's uh, it has to be one of the core values of the organization again as i mentioned earlier it can't be just one element so at the foundational level you have to have a commitment a long term commitment to customers in my opinion if uh, if you're going to be transactional oriented you can still be customer centric but it can you cannot be uh, you cannot you cannot have an expectation that your customers will be an integral part of your organization in the long run. So you've got to build that into your model. And it has to be an integral part of the entire organization. It has to be at, in your financial operations. You need to have enough flexibility to manage the customers. You need to make sure your marketing organization is aligned with that. You need to make sure your innovation process is well aligned with that. The voice of customer is fully integrated into your innovation process. And as a result of that, the entire organization is aligned to the broader vision of the broader vision of the company, which is we're customer centric. But it's not just a, just an initiative. It's not just a program. It's every organization, every functional element of the organization has some level of customer centricity built into it. Uh, they know what it means to manage a customer. I'll give you an example. Uh, in a in a customer centric organization true customer-centric organization, when a customer is delayed on their payment, you know, let's say you have net 30-day terms and they need 45 days, they need 60 days, an organization has enough flexibility because they've, they've baked that into their model. They can't do it every time. They're baked in their model to make sure that they can provide some flexibility to the customer. And that's where partnerships come in. That's where partnerships develop. You're, in a transactional model, it's a, it's a straight cutoff. Uh, and, and not just on the financial side, but any engagement, it's well-defined within certain guidelines and you have to follow that. So it has to start at the foundational level. Once it's, once it's well-communicated uh, to the organization and once the organizational metrics, the organizational uh, model is built to ingrain that, to support that, it becomes an essential part of your DNA. Now, you can't do customer centricity or, or have a customer-centricity approach without having a strong employee experience. You got to make sure your employees are engaged in that process. You could build the most solid customer journey model, but 
if your internals of the organization from an employee engagement point of view are not aligned with that, that information could just fall apart. I'll give you an example. You can, you can um, encourage your teams to go out and meet with your customers, get, get that information, um, be, uh, bring that voice of customer into the organization. But if you're a siloed organization, if, you're, if your employees feel constrained in, in uh, making some uh, bold statements, if, you're, if your employees do not have the space to, to operate as independent owners and take risks, that, that connection is not going to happen. Yeah. So the employee experience becomes really critical. So you have to make sure that your employees feel like owners of the business because once they start, and it doesn't matter what level they're at, it could be at multiple levels. But once they feel they have ownership of the business, now the customer belongs to them. And as to and going back to what I said earlier about ingraining customer centricity in all aspects of your organization, now if that happens, information flows from the field to the right uh, parts of the organization. So that connection is really, really critical. How do you recommend the leaders measure this? I mean, you know, there's certainly, there's customer experience measurements like NPS, there's employee experience measurements like ENPS or engagement or things like that. How do you, how do you recommend that a leader looks at measurement and, and improvement of, of customer centricity? Well, there's got to be a discipline around, uh, around uh, metrics, you know, and, yeah. and, and key quality metrics. The problem uh, in today's uh, environment in many companies is there are too many metrics. Yeah. And uh, when you have too many metrics, what do you focus on? What's really important? So you've got you've to pick a handful of quality metrics. Uh, and that could, me- that could vary from company to company. I usually look at uh, things like the, sort of the growth metrics, um, and that's fairly standard, you know, retention, uh, organic growth within, within accounts, the delivery uh, execution metrics. But those are more operational. One of, the, one of the metrics that I'm a big believer in is sort of what I call the innovation metrics. Are you, how are you helping the customer? How are you driving innovation with the customer? And that's where, it, where the unmet needs comes into play. Um, it's something that you sit down with the customer, you have a quality conversation about their challenges, about their, their future plans, and something new emerges out of that, that the customer wasn't aware of, you were not aware of coming into the conversation because you walked in as a, as a provider, you walked in with a, a standard portfolio of technology and services, but now you started having a deeper conversation. And, the fa- and if you're doing the same thing with other customers, you have a broader understanding of the industry and you have a sense of the trends. Now you can have a conversation which was completely unexpected because you're talking about things that could be two, three years down the road. And if you're able to bring some of those learnings in-house and create new value out of that for the customer through, uh, through new technologies and services, there, there you have been able to take your customer engagement experience to a much higher level. You know, that uh, trusted advisor status that everybody talks about, that's what you should be aiming for and that's how you can get to that point. Uh, but beyond that, uh, those are those are sort of the things that you do on a day-to-day basis. It's a lot of objectivity in those uh, in those metrics or in those uh, conversations. But beyond that, I think there's an element which is really critical, which is uh, sort of more subjective, which is engagement between leadership and the customers. Mm. Uh, I strongly believe that at every level of the leadership, especially senior leadership, you should have 
continuous discussions with your customers. Pick the top 10, pick the medium 10, and pick the bottom 10 or whatever, whatever you're, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you can do. And, and have just general conversations. It's not a sales call. It's not about how am I doing. It's about a general conversation. How's your business? What are we doing? What are we not doing well? Uh, what, where do you see the industry growing? When you have these conversations on a very regular basis, it's, it's an assessment which is beyond metrics. Because then you have a real feel and good innovation, quality innovation really comes through those kind of things. It doesn't come uh, quality, you know, in, invention doesn't come uh, based on uh, specs that somebody writes for you and you, you right. create magic out of it. You have to connect so many dots. And unless and until you have those uh, quality conversations, which are really subjective in nature, you'll not be able to do that. And it has to be a discipline at multiple levels within the organization. At, at some level, you know, it's it's hard to argue that, um, you know, customer experience isn't a, an important thing for any organization. You know, I would I would go out and say, not only are there stats behind, uh, you know, CX is a major point of competition and, and differentiation these days. It's, it, you'd be hard pressed to find a company that says, you know, the customer is not number one or, you know, or anything like that. And yet, you know, we're here talking about this because um, it's not getting prioritized in the way that, you know, I completely agree with your sentiments here. It's not getting prioritized in the way that it should. I think part of that is related to sometimes it's hard to show return on investment and a lot of leaders are focused on short-term gains and, you know, showing short-term results. What would your advice be to those leaders that are, you know, they're getting pressure, whether it's from other leaders or shareholders or other stakeholders to, to show short-term results. And yet they know that investing in CX is the right thing, but they just can't show those results immediately. What, what would your advice be to them? That's a great question. And I know it's um, it, people get constrained. And uh, one of the challenges uh, we have, especially in uh, corporate uh, America, is the focus on short term. And that, yeah. in my opinion, destroys a lot of good quality companies. Uh, but I think uh, if you really think about CX, uh, the way I explained it earlier, that sort of being a journey, a lot of it is cultural. Um, yeah. It doesn't necessarily, um, I'm not saying it's free, but it doesn't necessarily cost millions and millions of dollars. The challenge is, uh, or the problem I, in my opinion is, people take, their approach is different. They, they look at CX as investing in millions and millions of dollars of these invest or systems that can provide insights into customer, that can provide, that can allow you to collect data, that can allow you to translate the data into something meaningful and that can translate into product feature and that product feature you can sell and you drive the connection. I think that's a very short-term focus. The customer experience um, being sort of integral to your organization starts, as I said earlier, with culture, with uh, making it part of your DNA. People should at all levels, even if you're an operations analyst who processes invoices and does back office work, you should have some, some accountability for customer management. You should be measured on how well you're treating a customer, how well you're dealing with a customer. You should see your customers yeah. from time to time. You should build that strong tie-in between your people. Because, you know, when people, I, I've seen this over the years, I've taken a big believer of taking our engineers actually to our customer sites. When they see their product being used, there's a, such a strong emotional connect. 
versus yeah. when they're working in a building, they have no idea who does what. Now they take pride in that. I think this may sound like a sort of a very soft, um, fluffy uh, uh, recommendation, but it's integral to it. It takes years to build that, but once you have that ingrained, then only you can overlay the systems on top of that. And I would add to that, you can't, the, the moment you take a, a near-term view on CX, it's a waste of time in my opinion, because you're not, the near-term view is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put these systems in place, I'm gonna develop a new feature, I'm gonna see my sales go up. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. You, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, you should, that's, to me, that's more of uh, understanding how the market is performing and what you need to do to stay relevant in the market. But customer experience has to have a very long-term view. You need to start thinking, how do I ensure the sustainability of the business, the growth of the business? And that takes a very long-term view. It, you gotta, you, And that view requires you to invest in the relationship. There are going to be times when a certain transaction with the customer is not going to be economically um, uh, positive. It won't be, make sense in the short run, but you have to think of it in the long run. Now, I know it's, uh, it may not make sense to some people where, uh, who have a very short-term view on things, and that's, where, that's why I feel a lot of companies uh, are unable to sustain in the long yeah. run. But yeah. I'm, uh, I'm part of a company that has been around for 100 years, and I can tell you the, the secret sauce, the recipe for success is taking a long-term view on, on customer relationships. Let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit here. Um, dive a little more into the the employee experience component here. So, you know, many are calling what we're going through right now is the the great resignation. So, talent shortages, lots of people reconsidering um, whether it's reconsidering their current job or thinking about starting a new company, getting a different job, all all of the above. Sometimes, let's let's talk a little bit about how you know how this relates to to customer experience. So. Um, you know, many are saying current s- symptoms of the Great Resignation have been building for a long time. You know, it's not just it's not just the last few months. All of a sudden, um, you know, and because of this, business businesses and leaders still need to make sure they're you know they're doing what they can to retain employees as as much as possible. Not simply just you know throw up your hands and say, "Hey, we're going through this and and it'll be over." Like this is um, you know th- this is obviously been building and and it's probably going to last for a little while for those companies, especially that aren't treating their employees right. What are your thoughts on the relationship between employee disengagement and turnover and, you know, creating this, this great customer experience that you've been, you've been describing? As I mentioned earlier, the two have to go in parallel and the two are, uh, I strongly believe this, they're essentially joined at the hip and most people, uh, see don't see it that way because they see a customer experience as being sort of an initiative by itself uh, assuming even if they see it as a journey rather than a, a point uh, a, an element of the of the organization uh, first of all you have to see customer experience as a journey second you have to see that it is there's a there's a strong correlation between employee experience and customer experience if you don't have agility in your organization in your on the employee side there's no way you can deliver a solid customer experience. Uh, Customer experience is about sense of urgency. It's about quick turnarounds. It's about taking risks. It's about investing in your your customers. If your employees feel tied, they're bound by all sorts of bureaucratic restrictions, they can't deliver to those. So 
having that a solid employee experience is critical. And and COVID has is you know for is done a lot of damage, but as from a from a how we work, it has uh, opened up a lot of options for us. It has allowed us to think of things that we couldn't have uh, two years ago. We've challenged the status quo. So as I see employee experience, uh, we can work remotely. So the the notion of you need to grow in your if you want to grow in your career you can you have to be in an office and you have to leave after your boss leaves those practices have just been thrown out of the window right, those right. They, they no longer are relevant i mean there's some 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 element but they're not as relevant as they were before so we have to take those things into consideration so making sure that employees uh, there's empathy to an employee situation there's flexibility but at the same time holding them accountable is equally important. And holding them accountable is no longer how many hours they're in the office. The assessment model has to change. So that's some of those things become really critical as we move forward. Communication becomes really important. Can we working remotely or we maybe in a hybrid model? Transparency becomes extremely important. Um, growth opportunities become important. Again, now as a, I give you an example in the tech space, you could be living in uh, some part of the world and working for an American company like any other American employee. So yeah. you have access to all this talent. So employees are no longer going to be constrained by that by that one organization that they were part of, they're used to being in and, and growing within. So growth opportunities have to be strong. The other element that becomes really critical is, which is a huge risk. You know, when we work uh, work for an organization and we used to come to an office, that kind of became an identity. You have some emotional connect with the, with the place you work at, with the people you work with. Now, when you're remote, when you're working from home, most of your time, that emotional connect is is lost to some extent. So leaders have to step in to make sure that they continually communicate the value of their organization. They're bringing people together from time to time. Last but not the least, you have to treat employees as owners. You need to give them flexibility to operate in their space. Because once they take, once they start believing that they own a piece of the organization, a function, they will treat customers as as their own as their own customers they're no longer customers of the company and ownership gives you uh, gives you opportunity to be creative ownership gives you the flexibility to do things so those kind of changes become more and more critical as we move forward and and who knows where the new norm is going to be where we will be in a few years so we have to continually fine tune things what i just said may be applicable for the next few months and thereafter, we may have to think of something different. Yeah, I've done a fair amount with motivation of employees, and I think you know there is there is nothing as motivating as as that. You know, everyone has slightly different motivations, but you know, to to really intrinsically motivate somebody, you know, they they need to feel like it's you know they they have a stake in in um in the you know in the in the long term and and with the customers as well. So yeah, I think that's that's really powerful, and that that kind of leads to the the last topic that I wanted to talk about with you as well, which is the the future of the workforce and the future leaders in the workforce. Um, you know, in in what you're seeing and and what you're doing, what what are the skill sets that these future leaders need um, in, in order to thrive in in this future workforce that you you know you're describing the changes and the evolutions. You know, what do what do these future leaders need? 
Uh, that's a long list, so I'll try to <laughs> keep it keep it short. But I think to Wait, top three. The, yeah. <laughs> yes, let's go to top three. The first and foremost, uh, global perspective becomes really, really critical. It doesn't matter whether you're working for a global Fortune 500 company or a little company in some small town USA. Um, your talent is going to be global. Your supply chain matters to you now. You could be building a small product out of uh, a small factory somewhere with one little tiny part coming from a small town in China or Vietnam. And uh, who knows what will happen to supply chain over the next few years, whether we'll be able to get back to normal levels. So keeping those, uh, keeping those um, elements into your consideration and making that a critical part of your business thinking of how you plan for the future becomes really, really important. It's, there's no longer, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a US domestic uh, Midwest company versus I'm an international company. Yes, at an international company level, the scale is bigger, so the challenges are more, but you have to, you have to make sure that you take global competitiveness into consideration. And it's not just from a, your product side, but it's also from a supply side, it's from a talent side. Um, and as, as, as the world has gotten more flatter than it was, your competition is going to get, is, is going to increase. So those things have to be really important. Uh, the second element is uh, agility. I know it's, uh, it's been used quite, quite a bit, but agility of thought, agility in terms of action becomes really important. Your decisiveness becomes really, really critical with with little information and you just have to move really fast if you think you were moving fast pre-covid um i got news for you you were moving slow <laughs> right right uh, i don't care what speed you moved at and i tell you why um, you know people people say uh if you ask people about their business conditions they'll say well supply is a problem today but demand is demand is good Really? I don't know what, what demand will be three months from now, what demand will be six months from now, because there's so much uncertainty around it. It's not just the COVID, it's supply chain, it's talent availability, it's uh, inflationary risk. There's tons of money that the government has pumped into globally, into the markets. So, again, there's you could never tell where the economy would be six, 12 months down the road, but today... There are so many variables at play that make it extremely, extremely difficult. So you have to be you have to be well prepared. You have to be thinking ahead, and you have to be ready to make changes. Sometimes it's fine tuning. Sometimes it's sometimes it's radical. the The idea of I can live under status quo for an extended period of time, again thrown out of the window. If you if you're gonna if you're gonna have that kind of a mindset. I'm sure you'll be in for a surprise. And the, you know, like any major change, like a pandemic, uh, it'll take five, 10 years before things will sort of get back to normal where people can have a normal routine. It's going to be a very different normal. So you have to make sure that you are ahead of the game because you want to, if, if you're ready to make changes, if you're ready to be agile, you can dominate what that new normal would be, whether it's dominating from a product point of view, whether it's being the best employer uh, that's out there, whether it's it's being the best talent uh, groomer, whatever it is, th yeah. there's a lot in flux. And this is your opportunity to take a leadership position across multiple areas because things are going to evolve for the next few years. And once, it's, once it starts stabilizing, the opportunity for for changes may not be as much as it is today. Yeah. Yeah, and the and the last thing, um, the last thing I would say is, is the empathy part. I touched upon that earlier. 
your talent is not this is not the talent that's um, going to be okay with staying with you for 10 years whether there's no growth or no growth uh, whether there's no flexibility or not uh, empathy means understanding people's situations and offering flexibility uh, empathy means uh, giving them permission to fail and trying new things because there's uncertainty out in the markets you have to make sure that you don't hold your people accountable always to to the to that uncertainty you have to bake that into your day-to-day operations so accountability should be strong because without accountability there's no there's no uh, there's no organizational discipline so empathy with accountability but at the same time giving them permission to fail and judging them and assessing them based on uh, on their due diligence, based on their willingness to take risk, based on their willingness to try new things, their creativity. It's not going to be just uh, outcome oriented. So those are some of the things you have to bake into your into your uh, leadership style. If you're not comfortable with any of this, uh, I, I'm sorry. There's going to be a there's going to be a problem. Even people like myself have been around for a while. We had a certain style. I have changed myself quite a bit my approach over the last couple of years and uh, I'm, I'm continually looking at looking at what's happening in the marketplace uh, to make sure that I myself and our organization as a whole is aligned with those needs love those love those three points and uh, for what it's worth you can always use the term agile on the show so um, it's, it's, <laughs> sure. it's all it's always welcome so sure. no, uh, Fazel, thanks so much for joining this has been great talking about this with you I wish I, I I'd love to have you back on the show to talk about it more even as well. Absolutely. Um, for, for those listening, uh, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? They can join me on Twitter. Uh, they can connect me with you on LinkedIn. Uh, it'll be a pleasure to, to have further discussions uh, with anyone who's interested in learning more about what we're doing. Wonderful. I'm very passionate about this topic. Yeah, no, it, it, it shows. Uh, really, really great to talk with you. So again, I, I'd like to thank uh, Fazal Pandit, president of Panasonic System Solutions Company of North America for joining the show. Thanks for listening to the Agile World with Greg Kilstrom. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile World podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, from my website at theagile.world.